As we all know, Congress recently approved paying over a trillion dollars to African Americans as reparations for slavery. Well, today, the first checks were sent out. Wall Street is having a big day as well. Our financial correspondent, Michael Peterson, is there. Michael, what's happening? Chuck, a lot of activity, as you can imagine, here on the market. These people are spending money like hotcakes. Get this, 8,000 record labels have been started in the last hour. Incredible. Cadillac announced that they sold 3 million Escalade trucks this afternoon alone. It's incredible, Chuck. These people just seem to be breaking their necks to give this money right back to us. Folks, I am happy to report that the recession is now officially over, and we have nobody to thank but all these black people. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our new listeners and to our regular listeners. Welcome to Specificity. Spell it S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C-I-T-Y, where we ask specific questions about specific topics, getting specific answers. The meaning of specificity is the state of being clearly defined or identified to be precise, exact, or distinguished. Joining me today is Eric Sumo, insurance agent, financial education, and owner of Universal Manufacturer. Um, and we spoke a little about this week's topic, credit and home buying. Uh, before we get started, tell me one, one good thing, a positive thing going on. Um, so one good thing that's going on in the real estate market is that as a buyer and as sellers, it's a good time to purchase a home or sell your home. The market is hot. Uh, what's something that, uh, that a closet market, to... some contributing factors? Um, so, so some contributing factors would be, um, well, the reason why it's hot right now is there are, is a large demand for houses, um, especially houses that are under $100,000. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot of bidding wars. Um, we're seeing a lot of bidding wars as far as multiple offers going on on properties. So if you're a seller, that's a really good thing. And then it's, if you're a buyer, that's good for you, too, because you have multiple options. Okay. Uh, you know, keeping the same energy, what's, what's one negative or one bad? Um, so something negative, again, would be um, the quality of inventory under 100000 is hard to find. Um, so under 100000 we're seeing a lot of investor properties, something that a person would have to maybe remodel or it's, it's been demoed and maybe somebody just didn't have funds to finish a demo or a remodel and so they decide to list the property i actually have one that just came up like that um which means a buyer is going to have to invest funds for that property um to get it to where it needs to be mm -hmm. however it's not a negative all the way just because you need to just put a little bit more into it but under a hundred thousand for a, a home that's ready to go ready to move in um, something for maybe a starter home or young families or individuals, 
um, the house is still super fast. Mm -hmm. So um, you just have to be on top of it and make sure that you're always watching. So that way that you don't miss something in that area of what you're looking for. And then okay. also um, well, due to the pandemic, it's okay. I was just going to say also um, no, go ahead, go something ahead. else that we've noticed is that um, in due to the pandemic, the cost of materials have skyrocketed. And so, of course, that's not good because it drives up the prices of the home. Um, so as far as lumber, we're seeing three times the amount that it takes. So on a home that's like $100,000, now those are selling, like especially in the manufactured home market, we're seeing our $100,000 homes are selling at like 150 and above. So it's driving up the prices as far as labor and materials. So that's something to keep in mind as well. If someone get in contact with you, where can they find you? Okay, so that's really simple. Um, you all can find me on Facebook, facebook.com, uh, The Realtor Sumo. S-U-M-O, or I'm right there on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash team sumo, or my name is just team, T-E-A-M-S-U-M-O, team sumo. And, or you can just email me directly at ericasumo at gmail.com, E-R-I-C-K-A-S-U-M-O at gmail.com. I'm always available for any questions that are needed. Thank you. You're welcome. Learned that when it comes to that purchasing, uh, making purchases, it's a vital part of it. Why do you feel credit is so important? Yes. Just like you said, um, the main reason why credit is important is because people can use that for or against you. And we want to make sure that we have the power on our side. We want to make sure that the credit having maintaining good to excellent credit works for us so that whenever we go to apply for a loan um, or any type of a business for for a home for a car for any type of business we want to make sure that we have buying power that's why it's so important um, especially in our community we want to make sure we have buying power and with the good to excellent credit that creates a buying power. It opens up doors that could have been shut to us before. So we're getting approved instead of denied. Um, yeah, that's very one. important. You I know good to bad. Mm -hmm. What is that number? What is a good score? Uh, mm -hmm. and what is a excellent score in your opinion? Well, depending on what you're, so there's differences on what you're trying to do. Um, so typically a good credit score would be 640 and above, just average all across the board that can get you an approval typically, as long as you have the income to back it up. Um, now, if you're going to purchase a car, you can get a car with lower credit score. They're just going to want you to put more down payment down. Now, as far as a home, when you're going to purchase a home, you need to have really 580 and above, but the low that they like to see without trying to go through any extra hoops will be 640 and above. You definitely want to be 640 and above. And the reason why we want to see that 
is because it's going to help with your interest rate. Um, now you can get qualified with some lenders at 580 and above. So that's really, truly great because it used to not be like that. And so they've opened up new programs where you can get qualified at 580 and above. You just may have to put down more down payment as well. Um, or you may have a higher interest rate, which you can always refinance the home within six months. Say you go ahead and get approved and qualified at the, the 580-ish range. And then in six months, refinance that house once you get your score up to 640 and above and get that interest rate lower. And so, you know, it's just about putting a plan in place on what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to purchase is how you're going to determine what good to excellent, you know, looks like. What's some ways that you recommend people raise their maybe an eight to twelve month range? How to raise your credit score? Mm-hmm. Uh, plan in place. They want to raise one. So versus six months, so like an eight to twelve months. Mm -hmm. What um, methods or means would you recommend? Okay. Okay. So the first thing that I recommend, which you know, I find on a day to day basis when I start working with people is that sometimes people don't even know what's on their credit. So I recommend go ahead and getting your credit report, get it pulled so that you know what's on there. And then I'll say, you know, what's your credit score? And I get the answer a lot. I don't know. And so we need to find out what the credit score is, first of all, and then getting a report pulled. Now, it may be a small investment, you know, to pay for your credit score. You can do that through a credit bureau, like go to their direct websites. And so I, I definitely watch regularly for myself, and I recommend to all clients and friends and family, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And the reason why we watch these three is because whenever you go before a lender, they're going to either use one to all three of those scores or they'll take what's called a medium score a middle score and so they're going to take two they're going to randomly pick two of those and then do an average and use the middle score and so we want to make sure that you know if someone has an experience score of um, let's say 700 and then on transunion they have a 400 because they were watching Experian, but they weren't paying attention to transunion um, so that could hurt them. It could bring their middle score down. So they need to be watching all three bureaus. Now, with that being said, so now we have our credit report and we have our credit score. Now, if you don't have the funds to invest, don't let it stop you because you can go to annualcreditreport.com and you can get your free credit report for one time every year. So they give you one free annually. And so that is where, um, you know, a good starting place to see, okay, what's, what is it showing on there? And I'm going to come back and tell you why you need to see what's on there um, to build your score. And then as well, um, you can go to, say you don't have the funds to pay for your credit score. You can go to something like creditsesame.com. And um, the only thing about those is they're not always 100% accurate as far as your credit score, but it'll give you a starting place to see exactly what it's showing on there. And the reason why is because it's a free service and some things can vary and things change every day. It's something that we need to be intentionally paying attention to and monitoring because 
the things that are on there can change daily. Um, now, we have our credit report, we have our credit score. Now, the first step to building the credit is making sure that all information on your credit report is accurate. Um, there are laws in place that protect consumers from inaccurate information on their credit report. And a lot of companies that are helping people fix their credit, um, I'm not gonna say company names, but people are paying for these companies to fix their credit. And basically the company is going in and just correcting inaccurate information, writing letters and helping people delete the things that are not on there because that's the first step. And so instead of paying for it, which I recommend if you don't know how to do it for yourself, go ahead and get paid for it. But if you can just call each credit bureau, this is a good starting point. And anything that's inaccurate or obsolete or out of date, call the bureau and tell them to remove those obsolete, inaccurate or erroneous, meaning it has error take that information off. So this is how it would sound. I'm calling because I have a copy of my report. My name is Erica Sumo. This is just an example. And this phone, this name on here says E-R-I-C-A. Well, my name is spelled E-R-I-C-K-A. This is erroneous information. I want this removed. You can do it over the phone or you can write a letter. Um, now, when you write a letter, make sure you include two forms of identification and the information is all public information. You can go to Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion and get their address if you want to send in letters or you can dispute everything online as well. Now, with that being said, um, you say, I want this information removed. Now, how does that score? Because there's debt. There can be debt attached to your name the spelling of your name. So how did that company, how did the credit bureau get your name in the first place? Well, something was, they, they found some information like uh, maybe an old collection account or an old cell phone bill. And that old cell phone bill, when they reported your bad credit, they reported the misspelling of your name because they had it spelled in their system the wrong way. And so when your misspelled name is removed and it was attached to debt, that debt has to be removed too. So getting rid of that old, those old addresses as well. To, I don't live here, this is not accurate. This is not my information, I want this removed. This is, this is not right. Get all the old stuff taken off. And so I recommend that as a first step, that's gonna help, That'll, you'll be very surprised old addresses, any old accounts over seven years, any medical bills that were sold to collection agencies. That's actually illegal. So anytime, because you did, say you went to a hospital, you signed a promissory note or you, you wrote a contract with the hospital and then they send you a bill. Well, the bill didn't get paid for whatever reason. So they sell your information to a collection agency. So that is inaccurate. So the reason why and why they're not able to come for you for that debt is because you didn't have, so ABC Collection Agency now is contacting you, contacting you, you need to pay this debt. Well, you don't have to pay that debt because you never signed any contract or anything with ABC Collection Agency. So what happens is the hospital at the end of the year writes off 
this information, they write off your old debt. And so there you're already freed from it. It's a zeroed out debt. But what it is, is they're selling it to these collection agencies for pennies on the dollar. And what they're trying to do is try to make money. It's all a business. So they're trying to make money to get you to pay for this debt that you no longer owe because the hospital wrote it off on their taxes at the end of the year. And people just are not aware of these things. And so ABC Collection Agency, I did not have any agreement with them. That is not my debt that needs to be removed. And so that will help build credit score as well. So that's that's a major first step that I highly recommend. And then the second step would be to minimize your debt. Now, say you write all the letters and you call, you've gotten as much off as you can personally yourself. Now, sometimes there are going to be some stubborn things that you just could, they, it, they wouldn't budge, they wouldn't take it off. The, they try to say they have proof, all of these things. Some things you're going to have to go ahead and get it taken care of to build your score. So say um, you got all the inaccurate, obsolete, erroneous, old stuff off, and you still have three things left. One might be 100, one might be 10,000, one might be 20,000. I always say start with the $100. Go ahead and make a payment arrangement, get that paid off. Do a snowball effect. Once you get that paid off, that's going to build it up another few points. But whenever you pay off anything, make sure that whoever your creditor is, you contact them and they agree that whenever you pay it off, they report back paid in full. So it goes from negative to positive now showing on your credit report. And so that's a big thing. You want to make sure that before I pay this, and you have these conversations with them before I pay this hundred dollars. I want to make sure that you're going to report back to my credit report in good standing, paid in full in re- in return of me paying this off. And so that way, within the next thirty to forty five days, when they update your credit report again, it's going to show instead of that negative O, oh, it's going to show oh paid in full in good standing, and that'll raise your score as well a few points. So we want to start eliminating debt. Now you can do that again with dispute letters or you can call them directly and call the creditors directly. Make sure that they're reporting that back to the credit. And then a third basic step would be putting, because the thing about credit is you want to get rid of the bad and you want to maintain the good. So now we've got all this old stuff off. We've got agreements made. We're starting to pay off our stuff. And I'm going to backtrack one more time. So I'm going back to those debts. Once that $100 is paid off, that's positive. Then we want to go back to that $10,000 debt. Start paying off a little bit at a time. And then once you get that one paid off, now you got two positive things reporting. And then go to that $20,000. Start paying that off a little bit at a time. So finally, you got three positive things showing. Additional credit score is just increasing. Now, back to where we were, we're going to build positive trade lines of credit. You need to build and keep positive credit. So I recommend starting off with a line of credit on a secured credit card. And this is important because those are designed to help you. Those these type of secured credit cards are made for people that are looking to build their credit. I personally started off with a first premier credit card and it was like a three hundred dollar balance. 
Okay, so let's just say if I got a $100 balance, I get approved, $100 balance. You never want to spend over 29% of your balance. People always hear 30%. That is not right. 29% or lower. Don't spend more than 29%. So on a $100 secured credit card, every month you can spend up to $29 and you want to pay it off in full. Why? Because it's going to help show creditors lenders that okay this person has a balance they're using their balance which there's so many different parts of credit use is important you don't want to just get the secure credit card and hold on to it you need to be using it for your credit utilization grade you get a percentage of your credit due to credit utilization so use up, use your, use, you can use up to 29%. You can use $10 and pay that off. You know, use $10, pay that off every single month. Be consistent. I did that for three years straight. And that's how I ended up building my, my car, my credit. And then once I started doing that, you, you're showing, okay, I have utilization. I've been using, you can do, you start off with one card. And I always say just, Show yourself discipline with one card. Don't try to go all big. It's not necessary. They don't care if it's $300 card or $20,000. All they care is that this person is properly using this credit card. They're utilizing it. They're not going over their balance. They're not overspending it. And that's what this is showing lenders, that whenever you come to them to purchase from them, okay, I may give them a $100,000 loan a half a million dollar loan, and I know they're going to be able to pay me back and they're going to properly use the funds. And so credit reports are showing lenders, it's really showing them your habits. And so that's why credit credit is so important on paying attention to what you're doing, how you're maintaining it. And then also, um, so we talked about a secured card. Um, oh, now, something people don't realize that can help build their credit as well would be there's companies out here now, which I was so excited when I found out that whenever you are a renter, you're renting your home, say you're renting your home for $1,000 a month. Now, normally on a credit report, if you purchase a home and your mortgage payment, it's going to get reported every month to your credit report, every month, your mortgage payment. But as renters, they never reported that. The person that actually owns the home is reporting to their credit, but you're paying their mortgage and you're not getting any reports to your credit report. Hmm. So they changed up the game. So now there's companies that you can pay and they will help you report to your credit your monthly rental payments. So this was major for my husband and I, we were living in Louisiana. We were paying $1,700 a month for our house. That did not help our credit. It only helped the person that owned the home. And so when we found this company, um, we found this company and they reported up to the last two years of our rental payments to our credit. And it personally lifted my score 111 points and my husband 64 points. And so the company that I used was Credit My Rent, and I can definitely give you all the information about that. Um, and you can email me for information about that as well. 
Um, but just for a quick recap on the basic steps to building credit, number one would be find out your credit score. Number two is obtain your credit report. Three, dispute old, obsolete, inaccurate, and erroneous information. Four is dispute all debt, even if you owe the debt. A lot of people feel like, oh, I just feel bad because I know I spent that, that credit, that, that debt is mine. I know it's mine. Well, I put it, I, this is how I like to put it. Yes, it may be your debt, but if the company takes it off of there, that is a good thing that they removed it. You don't have to worry about that negative item on there. It's their choice to delete it or not. Dispute all debt. Even if you owe the debt, you have the right to dispute it. And if the bureaus take it off, that's a bonus for you. Number five, build positive trade lines of credit that will report to the credit bureaus. And six, pay attention regularly and intentionally build your credit. So that's just some steps that I, I recommend to build your credit. No, that's wonderful. Uh, let me let me take it this route. Um, you mentioned that you were renting. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel home ownership is so important? Why, why shouldn't people, you know, rent and be content with that? Why do you feel home ownership is, is vital? Yes, yes, yes. So number one, um, you know, having an opportunity to own something. So in that position where we were in, we made income, but our credit was bad. And so you have to have both, you know, to get approved. And so if you don't have both, you're paying someone else's bills. So we were living in a home. The home was owned by a military family. Um, and we lived there for four years. And, you know, living in this home, paying their mortgage at the end of that four years, you know, all they could say was goodbye. Thank you so much for paying off over $30,000 worth of our mortgage. And so you walk away with nothing if you're not the owner, you know, as a renter, it provides a head, uh, um, it provides a home over your head, you know, and it provides somewhere safe for your family, you know, but you don't own it. And so that is one of the main things, home ownership, you know, it provides power of ownership. It's important because also a home is an investment that can that can potentially yield a return you know at the end of that rental agreement the end of our lease i couldn't go back and sell that home and then make money off of it where if you actually own your home you own your car you can go back and sell that and then make you know a profit and so it provides business you know it provides income it can yield you a return now, mm -hmm. equity, let's talk about how a home and how you can build equity in it. In this real estate market, the market has increased. With that being said, I'm seeing every like every day when I go to the table for a closing for a seller, they started small, they started, they, let's say they paid $100,000 for their home and they had that home for 20 years now, or even 10 years. They had even some, some of them have had it five years and they still, when they sell that home, 
because the market is growing, they walked away with a check. So they can use that check to either upgrade, you know, put a down payment on on a bigger home. Or, you know, these days I'm seeing older couples that they're selling their house and they're walking away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're walking away with thousands of dollars. I'm talking about $40,000 check written to them, hundred and something thousand dollar check written to them after they've sold their home and paid for all the expenses to sell the home. They've paid realtors, they've paid fees, they've paid all of these things, and they still walk away with a check written to them. They're super happy because now they have this big check where they their kids have moved out of the home or their family members have moved out. They sold the home and they're able to downgrade to something smaller and then put that rest of that funds in their savings account or, or use it for whatever they want. And so a home is an investment that can yield some equity that can, you know, and later in life it can benefit whether you want to upgrade, downgrade, or save those funds. It, it's powerful. Hmm. Some of the positives and negatives of owning homes. We know. Okay. What do you ownership and power? What's some of the negatives? Okay, so negative maintenance <laughs> maintaining a property actually when i was leaving my house today i was looking at my yard and i said oh man there's no, the hoa is not going to come and cut this i need to you know i need to get out get in this yard get these things taken care of you know um roof leaks you know we've had a lot of rain we've had hail storms whenever it hails windows get busted out you know that's expensive um, so you have to main, nor, instead of being able to call a landlord and saying, oh, there's two windows busted out, y'all come pay for this and come fix it. It falls back on you because you're the owner. And so I would say the negative is maintaining the home, the cost of maintaining the home. However, even though the cost can be, you know, expensive or add up, and that would be considered the negative, it's, it's, we can kind of flip that and it not be negative because as long as you address the issues right whenever it happens, don't let a whole bunch of stuff build up, 10 things pop up and you don't address anything. That's when it becomes overbearing. But if you see something, address it right away and you can turn that negative into a positive. Um, but some other examples of some of the maintenance and the repairs that, that, that would have to be done, roof repairs, hot water heaters, hot water heaters have a life expectancy. And so people, you know, might not realize a hot water heater may go out in 20 years. And so that's going to be three to $4,000 replacement. HVAC, your furnaces and your air conditioners, that can be upwards of ten dollars to $20,000 to replace those units or the duct works in the attic. Um, septic tanks, now that's another ball game dealing with the manufactured home side and land improvements. People don't realize how much it costs to pour a concrete driveway um, or putting in a, a water meter or a septic tank or a well system, you know, those are tens of thousands of dollars. So that would be the negative would be just the cost of maintaining the property. 
um, you know, improving it over time so that also whenever you sell it, you know, maybe you moved into a property and it didn't have a covered patio. Well, you decide to add a covered patio, even though it was a negative cost up front, it's going to be a positive investment because when you resell that house, that covered patio brings value to your home. Um, mm. Laying down you know, different landscaping that can bring value, adding someone wanted to add, they say they had an above ground pool. Well, they decided they're going to put in a, a in ground pool. You know, there's different improvements that you can make that when an appraiser comes, when you sell the house, that it can bring value. And so that would just be the thing that I would say, um, you know, maintenance can be expensive and that can add up, but just stay on top of it. Let me ask you this. A lot, a lot of people, uh, and even myself, this way, I feel the home ownership mm -hmm. is unrealistic, you know, too expensive, yes. the credit, not enough the down payment. What would you tell mm -hmm. include? Yes, and myself six years ago as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and as a realtor, I was, I was able to, um, help everybody else's dream come true, but I was not there. You know, I wasn't in a place where I could purchase. And so it definitely can feel unrealistic, um, but I'll say it's not impossible. I'll tell you that it takes intentional focus. And like I said, that was six years ago and we purchased our home this year. So six years of consistently watching, paying attention, trying to make payments, trying, you have to be intentional and disciplined and focus on your goal and it will happen. Um, and so with that being said, you want to connect with people that can help you put a plan together. And it's, it really is one step at a time. Um, you don't want to get distracted because as soon as you're not paying attention, something can hit and you can have setbacks. I even went through that. Um, I didn't realize I had a student loan payment due, a $50 student loan payment due. I missed it. I didn't pay it by the end of the month. By the time that the third of the next month rolled around, it took my score down 64 points and I had to get back on track. Yeah. And so you cannot yeah. let things slip through the crack. You got to be intentional and watch that kind of stuff. Um, and you just stick with the plan, connect with individuals that are going to, you know, help you make the plan. First of all, make a plan, figure it out, and then you got to stick with it. And then down payment money. Um, I know that we had uh, wanted to address as far as down payment money. Down payment money is required um, unless you do like a VA loan or a rural development loan where they're required. So rural development, VA of course is the military and then veteran affairs is what that means. And then rural development means you're purchasing, purchasing a property that's like in the country, a rural area. Um, and in those rural areas, they, they're trying to build up, you know, build areas up. So they allow those to be zero money down programs. And you can look at the USDA website to see if a property is qualifying for rural development. Um, but that's how you can do, those are the two things where you can do zero money down. But if you're not doing that and you're doing like a, a traditional FHA or conventional loan, 
you are going to need to put down a percentage. Um, and so, you know, knowing that you got to start saving, it's just, you just have to start saving, even if it's a penny at a time, just start putting up, putting your change up, putting up your dollars, putting up, putting it up. You have to start saving so that you'll be prepared for your down payment money. Um, also people don't realize not only do you need down payment money, you need, you could potentially need escrow deposit money. And what that means is when you write an offer on a home, um, the seller might want you to put a thousand dollars down to prove that you're serious about this property. Now you'll get your thousand dollars back on the day of closing, but it's, it's money that you need to put down up front. And so it gives you, um, you know, it'll, that thousand dollar escrow money can also help you win over another offer that said they didn't have the funds and they can't put a deposit down. And so you want to make sure that you're prepared for that as well. And so, yes, it feels impossible. It's not impossible. We want to make a plan. We want to stick with it. We want to not get distracted and we got to start preparing for this down payment money. And then um, also you'll need your good credit. To, I mean, you'll need to start, you'll need to start building good credit if you're not there already. Lenders want to see at least 640 and above. Hmm. And then the main thing is to determine what you want connect with your real estate professionals. And what I mean by that is you want to connect with a realtor that first of all, cares about you enough to, to help you with a plan. Um, there's lots of realtors out here, but you want to make sure that that person's going to spend some quality time with you. And like I said, you know, also on the lender side, that's the person that's going to give you the money for the loan. You'll be able to sit down with them they may they may deny you when you put in your application but that's not a no that just means i'm telling you what you need to do to get there and so you have to exercise some patience on your end you know because that person and that real estate agent those title companies they're going to work with you over the years to help you get there you just have to you have to not give up on yourself and so mm. That's okay. how I feel on that part. I'm going to briefly go over what we've talked about. Let me know. Uh, we'll start from ground zero. Sure. Ground zero is being aware. Being aware of what you have. Your credit. Yes. Being aware of the debt you owe. Um, mm -hmm. The end goal. And then step one would be to mm -hmm. uh, minimize debt. Pay off as much as possible. Yes. At the same time. Get a card to build a positive debt. Um, mm -hmm. 29% of whatever that max is. Don't go over that and be intentional mm -hmm. and be aware of it. Mm -hmm. So we start the even a penny at a time, uh, a dollar at a time. We save, mm -hmm. save, pay off debt, get positive debt that is reasonable and affordable. Yes. Um, we get we get the down payment we want. We find the realtor that, that works with us and explains uh, No matter how long it takes. Maybe, maybe we don't buy the pair of shoes we want. Maybe a pair of shoes and split the difference and put that towards the saving. In adjusting our lifestyle to, uh, to the end goal right. we see, the end goal we want. So we have those things going. Now we find the uh, score we want, the deposit or down payment we want. 
Now we find, uh, we'll keep working with the world so we found in the beginning. So that went the home buying mm -hmm. process. Uh, walk us through. We did everything. Mm -hmm. We have the down payment, the credit, the real tour we, we trust mm -hmm. and feel. Uh, we have the. Mm -hmm. Your lender. Now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we start the process. And so we want to find a lender. Now, many realtors have lenders that they can recommend to you. Um, or you can come to us with a real, with a lender that you already have in mind. Now, mm -hmm. I recommend working with a lender that has a, a connection with your realtor because that lender is going to go above and beyond for that realtor because we work with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So the lenders that I work with, for example, I've been working with them for almost 10 years and they know when I bring them a buyer that I'm not playing games. Um, and so they're going to do, they want to earn my my continued business. And so they're going to make sure that you're taken care of because you're, you are with me, if that makes sense. And so it's important, you know, to have somebody that that's going to go to bat for you on that side, you know? And so sometimes people say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I've seen that, you know, I've seen, a deal almost fall through the cracks and my lenders, they go above and beyond and they, they'll help you write letters. They'll call the IRS for you. They'll call, um, and they don't have to do that, but they'll do that because they want to make sure that you make it to the closing table so that I bring them more customers. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I do recommend that you connect with a realtor that has relationships with the lender. That's not required by law. You can choose who you want to work with. Um, but the first step is to find a lender and then, and the reason why we're looking for a lender, what that means is somebody that's going to loan you money on what you want to purchase. It can be a private lender. It could be a family owned lender, or it can be a big bank. Um, some big bank names would be bank of America, Wells Fargo, uh, Chase, um, there, those are some of the big name companies that people would typically know. Um, a smaller lender could be a local lender, um, a local lender where you could just walk right in their office, sit down at their table, and they can help walk you through something. That would be like your credit unions. Um, you know, let's just say like a Tulsa Teachers Credit Union or um, NICU, NICU Credit Union or, you know, um, the smaller credit unions or the private lenders. Um, and so the reason why you want to find that lender is because they're going to help you get pre-qualified for the loan and a pre-qualification can go, you can do that either over the telephone or you can do that online. It's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes if you'd call them to get pre-qualified or you can fill out your application online. And that's just, what is your name? Where do you work? What type of income? What is your social security? Your address is going to ask you all these, you know, identifying questions so that the lender can use that to get you pre-qualified for the home. And then once they get all of your information pre-qualified, then they're going to either issue a pre-approval. That means you're approved for the loan. So you're approved and it'll tell you how much you're approved for or they'll tell you you're denied 
and they'll tell you why. And so that's going to give us the first starting place. Either we're approved and we have how much we're approved for or we're denied and why. So that way we can fix that and come back and get our approval. Okay, mm -hmm. so getting approved. Once you get approved, you'll get an approval letter by email from the lender. When you get that approval letter, it's going to say, um, we're pleased to tell you you are approved for a loan up to $250,000. Okay, that is important because that lets me know on the realtor side, I can search homes for you up to 250000 Now, I don't do that. I will contact you and I'll say, okay, so we have our approval. We're up to 200000 but where do you want to purchase? You might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, okay, what payment is comfortable to you? Because that's the thing. Even though you qualify for up to 250. You might not be comfortable with a $250,000 house payment, which could be like $2,500 a month. You might say, I want to keep my house payment under $1,000 a month. And so if you want to keep your payment under $1,000 a month, you want to look for a house up to $150. This is just an example. These are not the accurate numbers. So keep your. we want to keep your the amount of home that you purchase where you're comfortable paying monthly. And so you'll say, okay, Erica, I want, I want to keep my house payment at a thousand dollars. So let's not use the whole 250. Let's just use 150. So I'll say, great. Let me go in the system, the MLS, this is the multiple listing system. Every time realtors post a house for sale, we have to put it in this system. That's where Zillow pulls their information, realtor.com. They get it from our MLS so that the public can see it. So say, okay, I'm going in here. I'm going to send you a list of houses. What do you like in your home? And you're going to say, okay, so I have pets. So I don't want any carpet. I don't want any carpet. I want three bedroom, two baths. So I'm going to go and do a search criteria to look for what you want. I need a fenced in backyard or I don't care if the backyard is fenced or I want an acre of land. I want five acres of land. You know, you're going to tell me what you want, and this is going to narrow down our search all under 150000 And so maybe 10 houses pop up. So what I do is I send you all 10 of them. I say, okay, I'm emailing you these 10 houses. I want you to check them out. Tell me your top three to five. We'll set up a time and go look at those houses. Once we look at those houses... You're going to know, and I always tell my customer, my clients, I say, you're never going to hurt my feelings. If we walk in a house or even drive up to a house and you're not happy, we can turn around and go look at something else, you know. And so um, we want to narrow down. And, the, and I'm telling you, it's wonderful because people know when they find their house. You see, you see a glow. People, it's, it's something inner happens whenever they know, okay, this is it. Let's write an offer on this one. So that's the next step. We've been approved. We did our search for our houses. We looked at houses. We did our due diligence on those houses. Now we found the house. And so now we're going to put an offer in on the property. That's where I come in. I'm going to write the offer for you. An offer can consist of some different things. So say we went up to the house. Not only do we just offer a certain price and when we want to close on the property, like what date we want to go to closing, 
we want to look at some things okay so i like the house however there's an old junk car in the backyard i'm not gonna be able to haul that off on my own so can you have the sellers haul that off prior to closing or um there is a bunch of stuff in the garage like say we we i've gone into a vacant house but the garage was full of junk and they intended to leave it there. They weren't gonna take that out. So we make sure stuff like that, we put in the offer, all items in the garage to be removed prior to our final walkthrough. And that way, when we come and do a final walkthrough of the property before we close, I can make sure everything was done for you. And so hmm. you just look at the property or you can say things like, you know, I don't have a washer and a dryer and someone's still, let's say we look at a property where someone's still living there. It's full of stuff. And they have a, a washer and a dryer and you need it. So I'm going to say in my offer, I'm going to say, you know, washer and dryer to remain with the property. And they can counter offer us back and say, it's only like twice they've said no. And that was just because someone's mother had passed away and gave them that washer and dryer. But normally they'll say, okay, no problem we'll give you that washer and dryer. Why? Because they're making money and they can buy themselves a new washer and dryer. And so if you don't add that though, or never ask for it, you wouldn't have got that washer and dryer that you needed, you know? And so we want to put an offer in on the property. We want to, you know, assess the property, see what all we need to put in the offer. Once we submit an offer to the seller, they're going to, we're going to have a deadline you set the deadline you can say okay i want a response back within 24 hours or you can say i want to say we put an offer in on a friday night i always recommend 24 hour response back from the sellers because if someone comes in on saturday saturday is a big showing day and sundays so if someone comes in they look at that house and they try to put an offer in higher than ours you can lose the property so we want to get a response back from the seller as soon as possible now let's say we put an offer in on a monday okay they may be out of town or you want to give them like 48 hours to respond it's safer to do it then um, but on a weekend you definitely want to request a response back from the sellers as soon as possible so now we put an offer in we put a deadline on the offer. Okay, so now with that being said, once our deadline is in, they're gonna respond back to us by that deadline. They're gonna either accept or reject or counter offer our offer. So accept means everything we asked for, they accepted it, they're happy, they're ready to sell. Reject means we may have offended them because we may have asked for too low of a price or asked for their uh, 1960s car in the garage. <laughs> it's amazing some of the things I've seen on some offer paperwork that might, might offend someone, but they might just reject it. If they reject our offer, again, I always tell people, it don't mean no. It does not mean no. All it means is we can go right back in and readjust it and offer them something different. Um, yeah. Or if they counter offer it, they might say, you know what? The house is listed at a hundred thousand. You offered me eighty. I don't want eighty. I want ninety. So we can, you know, meet somewhere in the middle. Or they'll say, Okay, I'm good with the eighty thousand dollar offer. However, I can't give up my washer and dryer. 
so that will not be included so we'll just go back and say okay you know no problem or we'll say well if i give you ninety thousand, can we keep the washer and dryer so they're just wanting to negotiate that's what the counter offers are so once we've come to all of the negotiations are completed and both parties are happy between the seller and the buyer then we will get what's called an accepted contract so the offer turns into a contract now that's when both parties have signed everybody's happy now you're officially under contract to purchase a home and so at that point again that's where the escrow deposit if they asked you to put down an escrow deposit to hold the house um, you'll want to pay that within the next 24 hours and so you'll bring it to me I turn it into my real estate company and then or the title company and they hold the funds until closing day um, after that we start home inspections home inspections are not required by law however I personally recommend home inspections because what it is is you're gonna hire a home inspector that's another cost to be prepared for you want is anywhere from 300 to 500 depending on who you hire but a home inspector is going to come out we have 10 days to inspect the property so they're going to come out they're going to see you know is there any electrical they're going to look in the electrical boxes um, is there anything electrical they're going to red flags they're going to let you know about um, they get on top of the roof they see they fill up all the sinks with running water to make sure and let it and then they plug it up and they make sure that when they let that water out they're looking all under the sink make sure you don't have any leaks they're doing a thorough um, eyeball test they're not going to knock out any walls or do anything like that it's just for what they can see and inspect but that allows us to go back and request these things to be fixed before you move into a property and believe it or not if you purchase a new construction home, those reports are triple the size of a home someone was living in. Because there's so many things that the builder, you know, may have missed or they were trying to get stuff done. And so new construction homes, I do highly recommend a home inspection on those. And then the builders are required to fix those things because that's a new construction home. Now, a home where someone has already lived in um those particular homes they can come we can negotiate repairs say say someone asked for an outlet to be fixed they might say i'm not going to fix that outlet that's not expensive that's natural wear and tear but we will fix that hot water heater that just went out you know and so those are the things we're looking for are the high cost items for them to fix prior to moving in now once we've got once we've completed home inspections, then we'll go to the appraisal period. An appraisal is where an appraiser is hired by the lender. The lender is going to hire an appraisal to come and make sure that this house is, house is worth the amount that we offered on it. And so let's say we put in a $100,000 offer. An appraiser is going to come in. They're going to look at comparable homes that have sold in the market in the last 90 days to make sure that that value is there because a lender is not going to lend money on a house that's worth more than than it's worth they want to make sure that um their money is secure <laughs> so if you were to default on your home loan then that lender can resell that property and make money 
And so that's the purpose of behind an appraisal. So they're going to be hired by the lender, but it's a third party. So the lender cannot contact them. They can only contact the seller to set up the appointment, but the buyer is not involved until the appraisal is done. Then the appraiser will send the buyer a copy of the appraisal, and it's either going to come in at value or it could come in above value or it can come in below value. If it comes in below value, so say we put in a $100,000 offer and someone in the appraisal came in at $80,000, so it's $20,000 lower, that's when the bank is not happy. They're going to say, uh, this house is only worth $80,000, you put in a $100,000 offer, I'm not giving you $100,000 worth of money on a house that's only worth $80,000. And so you have two choices. You can go back to the seller and ask them to lower the price. We need to negotiate because this house came in lower than value. Or you're going to pay that $20,000 cash out of pocket and just the bank will cover the 80 that it's worth. Hmm. And so that's what the appraisal is about. Appraisals right now are taking longer than normal. Um, just because with the pandemic, a lot of stuff is moving slower than typical. So I say um, we give that per that period of time about three weeks um, for appraisals to come back. And then once the appraisal is done, we'll go back. If we negotiated repairs, we'll go back and look at our final walkthrough, which we want to do that about three to five days before closing. That means that all the repairs have been done that the seller said that they would do. And we're going to check those things, make sure that it was done. We're going to walk through the property and then in the next three to five days, sometimes they'll do that the day before closing. It really depends on what the buyer wants to do. And then um, we go to closing the next day. On closing day, you'll get an email from me that says, congratulations, it's closing day. I'm so excited. And then we're going to um, always remind you, bring your ID. So you need a form of ID and then any funds that you might owe to the lender that would be between you and the lender. You'll know all of those things well in advance. Bring your certified check for that amount. Mm -hmm. And then I'll meet you at the closing. Then we go to our closing table. And that takes about an hour and then you'll be a homeowner. And so the steps to buying a home from beginning to end, um, you know, I, I would recommend about 45 days for that process. Okay. Um, then we walk through this road to... The end. Um, yes. Let me ask you this. Um, for the next generation who's listening. In. Yes. Owning and buying a home. What would be your, your dying words for them? Something you would leave behind for them to, uh, to absorb. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that nothing is too big for you, that you can do it. You can own a home. As a matter of fact, you must own a home because it's something that um, it creates opportunity for you that we haven't always had an opportunity to have. Um, I would say Owning a home is a, a, a source of, of power that you can create for yourself in order to not only, even if you never sold that home, it's something that you can keep forever as long as that house withstands. Um, 
and that nothing, like I said, nothing's too big for you and that you can do it. It's just about being intentional, setting up a plan and, and completing that. Because I did it. <laughs> I didn't give up. So this is coming from personal as well. And looking back at it, uh, the day that we closed, I thought I was going to cry because it's been such a hard, you know, me and my husband were raised by single moms. Both of our fathers were um, abusive to our moms. And so our mothers raised us on their own and they did whatever it could take to make ends meet. Like my mom, she's the hardest working woman I know still to this day, but she did not know for herself or wasn't able to teach me about you know, credit and finances. And all we knew was, okay, she's going to bring a check at the end of the day to get these bills paid, get this food and move on with our day. We, we were, you know, she made sure we were provided for. So the things that we were able to learn together, you know, through marriage and seeking questions and just not quitting um, allowed us to become a homeowner and the day that we closed on the, the house, I was thinking I was going to cry, but it was more of like a, I felt empowered. I felt like, okay, okay, you know, I didn't quit. And so I would just say, don't give up. And that it's worth it at the end of the day. Hmm. Well, it helps to be patient and do your research. Yes. Right. And get it done that's what it comes down to um yes and we laid it out from step stay better step z yes uh, and, I, and i thank you for joining us this is a very important topic i wanted to i wanted to address you're welcome thank you so much for having me it's been wonderful i'm so excited there's anything I can do further or any questions that people have, please reach out. I'm an open book. And with that, we thank you for joining us on Specificity. So I'm not recording anymore.